This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. God is breathing on this church. And I, I'm so grateful. Uh, many of you have heard uh, some testimonies uh, last week. And uh, I heard last night, Diane Murchison, she's still pain-free neck, shoulders all over after 21 years. If you were 21 years in constant pain, you wouldn't just patty cake. Give God glory. Hallelujah. And we actually had uh, another person, actually from 1994 too, that were in an accident and they uh, texted me. And it turned out that they were totally healed in their shoulders, their knees, and their back <laughs> after 21 years. And then something that's really exciting, we've always had healings, they've just increased, but deliverances. I've had people contact me and say they had something they didn't know they had. It wasn't godly. God exposed it and took it out of them, and they're free from it. Now, that's some fun deliverance there. God just did it. How many would like to be free from just let God do it? Oh, Pastor, I've got nothing I need to be free from. Okay. Well, I do. Come on, Lord. <laughs> How about free from overeating? And never mind. How about free from the news? So God's doing great things. And uh, I mentioned last week that uh, the Lord has directed for us to do some Friday night services. And we'll be talking about that uh, more and uh, I believe we're just going to open it up for others outside church family to come. And your part will be to invite them, and God will heal, and he will do the miraculous. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Invite people to come to this night of worship and uh, see what God will do there, because he will do great and mighty things. Amen? Amen. Say great and mighty Let me say this, maybe you're standing. You know, we're in this thing together. And we don't judge each other, we're for each other. Somebody's hurting in our, our body, we are praying for them. And we're with them. And that's the way a family is. But I did hear the other night, what was that last? That was this morning, very early. And... The Lord is like the Lord said, there's some fun coming. So I took that as good times. <laughs> We're going to continue with the series on healing. And healing is yours. And uh, we looked at how we've got to go back to the cross. And we, we took communion, remember? And we discerned the Lord's body that he hung on the cross. 
You know, God gives a reason in his word that we struggle with healing. And he sits because we don't discern his body. We don't realize that he took all sickness, disease, and every infirmity. He took it for us. And we try and come to the cross, but we come with our baggage, our stuff, and say, well, I'm just not good enough. I messed up here, or I did this. And we know ourselves better than anyone. But the thing is, you come to the cross the same way you did it when you first got saved or born again. You come empty and say, God, I can't save myself. You saved me. Well, you, you come empty for your healing, for your prosperity, for your deliverance. Wherever it is, don't come on your merit saying, well, you know, I've been a believer. I've been coming to church faithfully for 25 years. No, you come surrendered, remembering what he paid for at the cross, that he did it. So what you got to do is really you're emptying yourself. We're making it very simple. You can get healed and deal with your issues later. I know it didn't fit with our, our teaching, but I believe it's just like, Salvation, you know you can get born again and deal with your issues later? And we all have issues. And once you deal with that issue, you think you're finished with issues, and then God shows you another issue, and you get to work on a new issue. And you finally come to the place where you realize... You thought you arrived many times, but then you figure out you're not going to arrive till you see him face to face. But you're to be going from glory to glory. It's supposed to be getting better. Your life, following the principles of God's word, you're supposed to be doing better and better. There's supposed to be more peace in your life, more love in your life. It's supposed to be that you're not easily offended. It's supposed to be that you forgive freely and easily because we grow And our walk as a Christian, we renew our mind to the Word of God, to what He says to do. Healing is an area where our body is speaking to us. How many know that our bodies have a voice? Just go on the fast. You can recognize that voice really big. Food! Glorious food! What more would I give for? That come from Oliver. I was in a play, Oliver, when I was a kid. Never mind. Now see how words, songs, and it's a great way to learn scripture. Okay, moving on. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. The cross is the power of God. It's foolishness to the world. But we get our strength because it's the power of God in our lives. When I look at the cross and I'm holding something against someone, I look at the cross and realize he's forgiven me. So I choose to freely forgive all others. When I look at the cross and I see that he was broken, he was divided where I could walk in unity and peace, I get rid of that strife. I choose not to walk in strife. I choose to walk in the love of God. I look at the cross and I see that he became poor. He took my poverty where I wouldn't have to have lack. 
You know, he did say he came to give us abundant life. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the only reason he comes. But Jesus came. The reason he came is to give us abundant life. So one of the questions that have been asked or uh, to explain is a scripture, and we're going to look at this. In John chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. He said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, uh, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. So we see here, if you, you look through uh, the teaching of, of tradition, traditional teaching tells us that God makes people sick where he can come and heal you and get glory. Yeah. That's traditional or, or a religious uh, looking at, a mindset. Or we've been taught that God makes picks out certain people to be sick, and that brings glory to God because they suffer patiently with their sickness and disease and brings glory to God. But that's not what this is speaking about here. Uh, we've got to see, you can look in scriptures and see when did God receive glory. And we'll look at, at some of that. So we see here this man was blind from birth. And the disciples said, was it his parents who sinned or was it the man? Now I always, it cracks me up when I read this. Every time I read it, I thought about, he was born blind. Are you telling me he was misbehaving or behaving badly in the womb? Are you telling me he was sinning in the womb? I, what does that look like? And I just, you know, I got this little picture of a little guy in there in the womb. He's smoking a cigar and drinking. And, hey! <laughs> I'm just not sure what the baby could do in the womb to be sinning. But anyway, <laughs> you know, the baby comes out and the doctor goes, this baby's blind. This baby's been sinning. This baby's in sin. <laughs> I liked it more than y'all. Religious teaches us also that God made some sick for a purpose. He has a purpose in the sickness. And usually it's to teach you something. And like I've said before, the only thing I learn from sickness and disease is I don't want it. But also the Bible tells us how we learn it's from his word. He teaches us his word. We have his spirit. It's not through sickness and disease. Would you teach your children through sickness and disease? Tell your 
your son, look, uh, I heard they got the flu next door. I want to teach you something. Go over there. Just spend some time over there. <laughs> Hang around them. See if you can eat after them. I want, to, I want to show you something. Teach you something. Oh, you wouldn't do that. Well, God's a better, a better parent than we are. And he loves us. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't do that to us. So Jesus came to earth to become the curse, not give the curse to people. And the key in this verse, he says, he said, I must do the works. Let me read it to you again. It said, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. The works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me. Wild stay. This is where the glory is. Is God flowing through Jesus and bringing healing to this one. Opening the blind eyes. That's where God receives honor and glory and praise. It's when we receive from what Jesus did for us. When we receive his son and we do his works, fulfill his plan, we're bringing glory to God. Jesus was doing what he saw the Father do. Guess what? We're to do what we see Jesus doing. Everything we see him doing, we're to do. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Where does Father receive glory? When you do the works of Jesus. When people receive from Him, that brings glory to God. When they receive from His grace. God receives glory when we receive Jesus and do His works. One definition for glory is manifested greatness. When you come and do the works of Christ and that manifested greatness, people see how great God is. It brings God glory. When God has done something for you and you share it with other people, God is getting glory. Because you're displaying His manifested greatness to those around you. That's what God's called us to do. In fact, there's a, there's a verse in the, in the Psalms that says, We were created for His glory. We were created to display His Excellent, manifested greatness. How great our God is. Can we make him, can we add to his greatness? No, but he can become greater to us. In John 11 verse 1, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary uh, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified in it. Now let me ask you a question. When Lazarus was sick, was God receiving any glory? When the Blind man was calling out for Jesus. Were the people going, glory to God, he's blind. Glory. No. It's when 
the manifested greatness or God's greatness is displayed. That's when he receives glory. But see, we, we see here that Jesus is saying, this sickness is not in the death. Now, Lazarus did die. You ever felt like God was late? <laughs> He's never late, but it feels like it sometimes, doesn't it? If we're honest. But here's, here's Lazarus, he dies, but what Jesus is doing, he knows what he's going to do. He's going to do the works of Father and bring glory to Father. And it's going to bring glory even to the Son. He knew what he was going to do. When was the glory, when was God glorified? When Lazarus was sick and died? Or when he was raised up from the dead? It's when he was raised up from the dead. That's when there was a display of God's greatness. His manifested greatness. Father was glorified when Lazarus was raised up. Now, God did not make Lazarus sick where Jesus would come raise him up to bring God glory. God uses what happens in the earth for us to come in with His power and His Word and His Spirit to bring glory to God. See, if you have any inkling that God's making you sick, you're not going to receive. You've got to know God is not the author of sickness and disease. Acts 10.38 we're told that the enemy comes with sickness. He brings oppression. His sickness is oppression. Sickness still kills and destroys. Sickness will rob you. Sickness will steal from your life. Last time I checked, the devil's the one who still kills and destroys. So sickness and disease is on the curses side. The blessing side is abundant life and health and joy and peace and righteousness. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For you were bought, bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do we glorify God in our body when we're sick? No. It's when we're walking in the provisions that God's given us. Can you walk in your body sick and be walking in faith, reaching out and believing God? Yes. We're all walking through things. And has anybody received all that they got their faith out for? I hope you haven't. <laughs> it needs to be some things you're always processing through. In every area of your life, releasing your faith. God's a healer. He's not making people sick. You know, for him to make people sick, he has to deny the cross that Jesus bore sickness and disease. If we believe that God puts sickness on the person, then you, it's okay to believe that God would put sin on the person. Because Jesus bore them both. Now, we get our ruffles up in the, <laughs> in the second and say, God made you sin. God set you up. He put sin on you. But we'll say, he put sickness on you. Well, maybe he put sin on you to teach you something. 
No, Jesus bore those things. He's not going to put something on you that Jesus took away from you to set you free. God doesn't even tempt you with evil. James 1.13, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone, you could say with evil, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown brings forth death. Sin is devastating to your life, but God didn't set you up. God is not some kind of con artist setting you up for a fall. I'll tell you what he is doing. He's trying to warn you, trying to expose and bring discernment in your life that you'll not walk into the trap of the enemy and have your life go down the tubes. Some of you have had some things exposed and you were upset at God, but God had it exposed to save your life. Because if you kept down that path, you'd lost everything. That's God. He's a good parent. We have a God, the Holy Spirit, who's guiding us and showing us and trying to keep us out of the pits of life, the pits in this earth, the curse. He's showing the way out. He is the one who rescued us and loves us. We just need to listen to him. It's going to be important in these last of the last days that we learn to listen to even that smallest still voice because it could be him saying, don't go to the movie tonight. Stay home and watch Netflix. God doesn't have anything against you not having fun, enjoying a good movie. And then you hear the report. That happened at the movie theater I was going to. We need to listen. Good friend of mine, I know I've shared it before, but worked with him for years, and we'd gone up on break, and his son wanted to go to spring break, Florida, and he told him no several times. He said, I just don't feel right about it. And of course, his son setting him up. You know, his friends come out, aren't you going? And no, no, I'm not going. All this setting him up until he wore his dad down. I remember he came to work and said, I, I, give, I told him he'd go on. I said, you were so against this. No, he said, I still don't feel good about it. I'm, t- I'm weary. Came into work that Monday. He wasn't there. His son had gotten on the balcony, drunk, fell off and killed himself. Sometimes, kids, your parents are hearing from God when they tell you no. And you need to be thankful that you have a parent who loves you enough to say no. Devastated his life. He blamed himself for not listening. And a couple um, lady come into the church and she wanted to meet. Ellen and I went to lunch and she was going away 
on a shopping spree, and I think it was Chicago, wherever it was getting on the train. And she said, I don't want to go. I don't think I'm supposed to go. I said, well, sometimes the Lord tells you, you know, gives you a, you have a, a stop sign inside. You're not supposed to go. Don't override that. Oh, it's my best friend, and said, uh, the kids are excited. You know, everybody's, you know, wanting to go. Train wreck. Never saw her again. Don't override that small, still voice. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. See, good gifts. He's good. Devil, bad. God, good. I mean, you get that down, you're a theologian. Because most of the people are still mixed up on that. The devil wants us to blame God for everything he's doing. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus. Looking to him, the author and the finisher of your faith. In other words, he's, he's the beginning, he's the end, he's everything in between. What do you got to do to walk this faith walk? It's look to him. Keep your eyes on him. We'll get our eyes other places, but we have to keep our eyes on him. It's just like we talked about the snake that Moses had put on the pole. As you look at, you'll be healed. And then we find out, in the New Testament, that was a type of Jesus. And said, even as the snake was raised up, Jesus will be raised up. Those that look upon Jesus, that gaze, it's not just a quick glance, gaze steadfastly upon him, will be healed, will be delivered, will be in safety, will prosper. You got to keep your eyes on him. It's a challenge in our day and time. We're so busy running to and fro. But it's the most important thing is to keep our eyes on Jesus. Isaiah 53, 1, Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Our report is the Word of God. In, in text here in Isaiah 53, it's the cross. It tells what happened at the cross, the price that was paid, what Jesus did for us. And it says, Who will believe the report? Those that believe the report will have the arm of the Lord released to them or will experience the power of God. The reason you don't experience the power of God, the reason is we don't believe the report. We've got to believe the report. He said, forget not all. Forget not all my benefits. Those benefits that are yours, don't forget them. You don't, on the job, you don't forget your benefits. Hey, I got a benefit right here. You go through that orientation and they give you all the things about the job. You say, okay, that, that's, that's good and everything. Where's the benefits? What's my insurance? Here it is. 
By the way, there'll be revisions coming out. We haven't got all changed yet, but it's coming out. Then you find that every year's revisions from then on. I think it's the most constantly changing thing. It's like the IRS. <laughs> I mean, it changes all the time. But see, your benefits package, your, your, your report, your new birth benefits package is the Word of God, and it's unchangeable. And it's alive. It's not boring like that stuff on the job. It's alive. He put his breath into it, his DNA into it. He breathed into it. It's alive. And it's not changing. And our part, that believing part, he put that part in it. Our part is to have faith. He went ahead and supernaturally put in the report, he put faith in it. So when I study it and look at it and read on it and meditate on it, faith comes to me. My part. He supplied my part, which is to have faith. He supplied it for me if I just look at the report. Wow. That's how much he wants you to receive from him. That's how much he loves you. He put the faith in there. For you. He's a good God. When you believe the report, then God's power is displayed and He is glorified. Every time you release faith that pleases Him, He's glorified. Every time you believe the report, it brings glory to God. How about if you received your healing on, I want to bring you glory. Even beyond your need, I want to bring you glory, God. I want to worship you. I want you to be praised. I want to display your magnificent, glorious greatness and how awesome you are. I thank you for my healing that you'll receive glory. Discerning the Lord's body, looking to Him. When we believe the message, we receive God's power. Well, I believe the report, but I'm not healed. Who told you you weren't healed? Which report did you read? Well, my body's in pain. It doesn't stop the report. It doesn't matter if your body says you're in pain. The report says you're healed. You need to keep saying what the report says. Maybe you're reading the wrong report. Maybe we're becoming too developed in whatever our sickness, disease is. We're becoming so developed in it. There's a man when I was out of town ministering that, I mean, we just had deaf ears open, blind eyes open, backs healed. And, and this man has sickness and stuff. And he, he talked to me afterwards. He was so developed in this sickness and disease, the information around it, that he said he was ministering to his doctor. He said, you're doing what? He said, I'm teaching my doctor. He doesn't have the time to do all the research I do. I said, how much research are you doing? I spend all seven, eight hours a day. And I said, you're teaching your doctor? He said, oh yeah, doctor really loves me. And I'm thinking, 
if you could just spend a, a smidgen of time, just a little bit of time on the higher report. There's a higher report. There's a truer report that trumps the doctor's report, that trumps any other report. There's a higher report. If you'll spend a little time in the higher report, faith will come and it will trump those things that you're coming against. You may not be buddy-buddy with the doctor anymore. You may not be, I mean, he's thinking about being a doctor, I think. <laughs> Nothing against doctors. We need good Christian doctors. But see, it's so easy. It's so easy to get information. All you got to do is have a phone. I'm lost. I don't know where I'm at, Siri. Where am I? Hello, Bob. Where am I at? You're talking to me. You're in your car. I love you, Siri. I love you, Bob. I'll never leave you, Bob. Just keep the battery on. But we, we need to take time in this report. And we have to discipline ourselves to do that. It's important that we do. In Mark chapter 6... Come in, close here. Jesus feeds the 5,000 men. And it could have been 20,000 people there because we don't know how many kids and women were there. It's just 5,000 men, we know. And Jesus said, what do we have to feed them? And they came up with five loaves and two fishes. Remember the story? And Jesus had a choice. This was enough or it wasn't enough. Now how many know that you look at your resources and you got five loaves and two fish and 20,000 people in the natural, that's very limited and not going to work. How many realize that? If we had Dennis, you know, Dennis... Uh, Need you to feed everyone after service. Would you go buy a Happy Meal? And want you to feed everyone. We want to eat till we're full. We want to take up 12 Happy Meals afterwards. It, just, it doesn't compute. But that's the way we are. See, Jesus was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. He set aside his deity, his God part, he set that aside. He walked on this earth as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you think he was tempted to look at those limited resources? Since he was tempted just like we are. First he was tempted. But he did something. I want you to look at this. Uh, verse 41, And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven. Blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. And those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. He looked up to heaven. I looked. <laughs> I looked up. Looked up. And this is what looked up means. 
It means to see. It means to look. It means to recover sight. What did he do? He was in the situation with limited supplies, but he looked up to heaven. He looked to Father. He looked to God. The same thing we have to do. When we're overwhelmed, it looks like, well, I'm just, I'm not good enough for this. I don't have the ability for this. But the Bible says, when I look up, it says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And things change. I get a different perspective. My sight is recovered to the truth. I look up to Jesus. I look to Him. And when something comes against you and, and you're worried, you have to look to Him. And He says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. And you cast your cares. There's a shift. There's a recovery of sight. And what you do, you look to Him and you see unlimited resources. And you see limited need in comparison to the unlimited resources of God. Didn't He say He would meet your need according to His riches in He looked up to heaven. He looked to the Father. He recovered his sight from the limited resources and received the unlimited. It's the same thing we find in Luke 4, verse 17. I'm going to go down to 18. This is where uh, he's reading in the temple. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That this is a report about the Messiah. Uh, when they wanted to stone him, it's a few verses later when he said, Oh, by the way, this is fulfilled today in your ears. They were fine when he was just reading here uh, from Isaiah. But when he said, Today it's fulfilled. In other words, I'm the Messiah. Uh, by the way, let me add this little thing. I'm the Messiah. I was just reading about me. That's when the gremlin starts to say, uh, you're getting rocks on you. <laughs> Everybody's stunning. Killing. But this recovery of sight here is the same word that's used in March 6. Looked up. Do I, I know that there's physical, of course, healing, but I believe there's a spiritual blindness too. And eyes open to receive view or, or sight of the other kingdom that we're from. The place where our resources come from. We can see that we're ambassadors. Do you know who takes care of the ambassadors? Homeland. United States is ambassador somewhere. United States is supposed to take care of them. And feed them and protect them. Our protection comes from home. Homeland security has a different meaning to us. If you're a believer, our homeland security is out of sight. It's in the unseen realm. It's everywhere. You got angels all around us. They'll protect you. They'll keep you safe. Open our eyes, Lord. 
let us see. When every time we see, we're receiving blind eyes open. You know what? God's glorified. Because everything that we receive, everything, every revelation, every spiritual glimpse, eyes open, everything comes through Jesus. Comes through the cross. Everything we receive from God comes through Jesus. And every time that you receive and you display God's greatness, God's glorified. God is honored. Your healing brings glory to God. That's our heads. If today you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that. It's important that you surrender your life to Him. And I'm going to tell you what that looks like. It looks like this. You give your heart and your life to Him. You surrender to Him. And you say, I'm going to live your way. My way's not working. He is a perfect God. And to come to heaven, you must have perfection. And none of us have that. But Jesus was perfect for us. And when you surrender your heart and your life to Him, you get His perfection. He was one without sin. And we get in on His credit what He did. So right now, you can make a decision. I'm going to live for God. And I surrender to Him. No one looking around and that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now and say, I want Jesus. I want to give my life to Him right now. No more playing games. If you're living in sin, get out of it. It's devastating. It's robbing you. It's robbing you to the point where it's deceived you and you're so deceived you don't even realize you're getting robbed. You're getting stolen from, blind. You're blind and just getting stolen from over and over and over. And you're saying, I want things to go better. They're not going better until you surrender. Sin is killing you. Give it to Jesus. Get right with Him. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but those, there's, say, four people that you know you're living in sin and God's been correcting you and coming and coming to you and you've been ignoring. God wants you to surrender right now. And stop the excuses. Stop making excuses. He's heard all the excuses. surrender to Him. Let's say this together. Say, Dear God, I surrender my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. I'll live for You, Lord. I belong to You. Thank You for dying for me. Thank You for the cross. I believe. I'm a believer, Lord, and I trust You. Thank You Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me 
to live this life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.